0: Welcome to the Money Next podcast. You're tuned into the Blockchain Summit series. The Blockchain Summit is a two day live program discussing the impact of blockchain and cryptocurrencies on financial services over four panel discussions with 30 industry leading speakers. This session will specifically discuss are cryptocurrencies finally going mainstream? We'll pick up on themes such as the challenges of widespread adoption, regulation, And what's next for this digital currency? So I'll pass you over to our event director, Mark Johnston, who will introduce you to our panel. Enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome to Blockchain Summit. Today is day two of our Blockchain Summit summit. Over the next 45 minutes, we'll be discussing are cryptocurrencies finally going mainstream? And I'll be your host for that discussion. My name is Mark Johnston. We want to hear, first of all, before I introduce our expert panellists, I want to ask a question of you, our audience. We want to hear your thoughts, we want to hear your questions, and we want to hear your opinions. Pop them in the chat at the bottom, and we'll bring them into play throughout today's discussion. Okay, let's introduce our expert speakers. We've got some great visionaries for you this morning. Let me introduce Eva Lawrence of Arcane Crypto. Hello, Eva. We've got Patrick O'Donnell of MasterCard. Hello, Patrick. We've got Jan Sell of Coinbase. Hello, Jan. And we've got Chris Aurelia of Bitstamp. Hello, Chris. And in our moderator seat, we've got Gillian Godsil of Block Leaders. Hello, Gillian. Right, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get straight on with it. First question we have for everyone today. What challenges are still holding back widespread crypto adoption? Eva, welcome to Blockchain Summit. If I could start with that question with you, please.
2: Sure. Um, so I think one of the areas that is going to be interesting to focus on is access uh, to the market. So easy to use, on-ramps, um, payment solutions. Uh, and the like for consumers to access crypto so we're seeing a lot of exciting new companies providing payments and on-ramp solutions but i think there's still uh, a long way to go in terms of mass adoption and it will be interesting to see how existing payments companies and, and current payments methods are impacted by this considering bitcoin and, and other crypto uh, currencies allow for peer-to-peer payments Um, So in terms of adoption, I think it will also be interesting to to hear from Patrick later today uh, on on how the current payments sector will will look at this. Uh, How do MasterCard see themselves as playing a part in in crypto adoption and and are MasterCard concerned with becoming the the blockbusters of of the digital age and becoming a a little less relevant? Uh, The other issue that I think is is going to be important for, for widespread adoption is volatility. Uh, historically, the market has been pretty volatile, and I think for for widespread adoption um, rather than just trading we 're going to need a, a less volatile market so it's going to be interesting to see as as the industry matures, will volatility decrease or will the market just become better positioned to to manage um, uh, to manage volatility?
1: Thank you very much, Eva. I'm certainly seeing a lot of the volatility. I'm getting people email me asking questions at the moment, which is not a good good idea to do. Um, Jan, if we come to you for, the, for for that question as well, what challenges are still holding back widespread crypto adoption, please?
3: Sure. Um, I I agree with uh, with Eva. There's I think um, there's a relative immaturity still in the space. Um, I think we're still um, improving things, especially around um, user experience. Um, I think that's um, one of one of the big things that I I would suggest are holding back um, mainstream mainstream adoption. Um, the user experience is still quite um, quite specialized, can can be quite clunky, especially when you look at you know the, the more advanced use cases around DeFi and uh, and, and that that kind of thing. Um, I think we're starting to answer questions around you know what's a private key and what's a wallet, but you know the, the more you dig into the into the subject matter, the more complicated it gets, um, especially for um, a you know sort of a more mainstream user. Um, and I think the other thing that's that's holding back mainstream adoption is a lack of lack of clear regulation. Um, I think uh, results in, in uncertainty for both um, both institutional users who are starting to get involved in the space and for for, for the retail users as well. When you have messaging around, um, you know, around uh, criminality involved with crypto and all these kind of things, um, which which we need, you know, a, a sort of a clear regulatory framework to help us um, get around um.
1: Great. Thank you very much for that, Jan. Um, I think at this point we should bring Patrick in because you were teed up nicely by um, by Eva there. Patrick, your thoughts on this, please.
4: Yeah, th- thanks very much for that, Eva. Always, uh, I always, I always uh, good to throw the uh, the grenade over to the uh, the incumbent uh, on this one. But but look, yeah, no, it's it's it, it's a it's a really interesting one, in fairness. Um, um look i think there's uh, i would agree largely what well, um with um what jan and even eve in terms of what you said look the ultimately um for you know, for people involved in this space right you know it, it's easy to kind of see um the the kind of uh uh, how it's evolving and, and where the use cases may be. But, you know, for the vast majority of people, you know, this space still is is completely alien and means nothing, you know, um, really. So, I think for that adoption to happen, you have to definitely have greater clarity around regulation, um, as Jan has said. You know, you have to have um, uh, the, the coins having utility, right? And at the moment, you know, if I was to go in and buy a coffee with, with Bitcoin and then suddenly it cost me uh, 400 coffees by the time I've i paid for it. That's you know that's that's clearly a, an issue, right? So so there's I think there's a long way to go. Um look I think it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. I, I think from a MasterCard perspective specifically you know for um us to think about um I, I think we look we we look at the space broad more broadly than just crypto. We we look at it in terms of digital currencies overall be that you know on one end of the spectrum you've got the, the Bitcoins, the freely floating cryptocurrencies on the other end you've got uh, central bank digital currencies right um from our point of view as long as uh again we're a payments company for 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 it to have utility then uh it's got to have a stable uh stability there um you know you can be a a, a a limited amount of volatility that's fine you know that exists in today's world it's got to have the right consumer protections in place um, and it's got to have regulatory compliance, because ultimately, you know, as, as a um, as a Joe or Joe, Josephine blogs using this, if they're not going to have the same protections in place that they would for, you know, for uh, traditional currencies, that's that's a huge issue, I think, for adoption.
1: Thank you very much, Patrick. And, and, and Chris, I saw you nodding along to, to some of the stuff that Patrick was saying there. If we bring you in at this point, um, Chris, um, your thoughts, please, on, on the challenges holding back. Um, Widespread, widespread adoption.
5: Yeah, uh, agree with many of the points there. Volatility regulation certainly is a key, a key one, and having consistent regulation. Uh, I think as well, there's just a, you know, still a lack of understanding, in-depth understanding about the market, um, but that that's changing. You know, there's more information available. I regularly regularly quote the Bitcoin Standard book, which I encourage everyone to read. Uh, there's more reports out there. In fact, we've collaborated on one with uh, Arcane and, and Eva's team, um, and plenty of information out there for people to access about this market. So, um, yeah, I think as understanding grows, uh, as the market uh, also in itself grows and, and, and volatility decreases, then we will see greater adoption.
1: Thank you very much, Chris. Um, at this point, I'd like to bring in Gillian. Hello, Gillian. Welcome to Blockchain Summit. Um, I believe you've got a point Thank to make uh, on what you've just heard.
0: Yes, uh, it's actually in response to everybody, but I might address it to Patrick separately. Um, the challenges to adoption, right? And we know about them. It's volatility. It's uh, easy on ramping, lots of things. But should that, this question not be divided in two? Because there's the challenges to adoption in the Western world where we already have our MasterCards and we have our easy access to banking. And then the challenges to adoption in the emerging world where people already have to be FX experts, because they've got to change their local fiat into dollars before they even get onto exchange. Mm -hmm. So do we need to divide, I'm I'm asking Patrick, because you are there as you're, you're delivering a, you know, a solution. Do we need to uh, uh, change, divide this question into two parts, adoption for Western countries, you know, developed countries, and for emerging populations.
4: Um I don't know if you need to divide it into two parts, uh Julian. I think there is different drivers in different locations. L- but look, from a master card perspective, whether you're in um uh and I'm not I I don't want to pick on any country specifically, right? But whether you're in a, a in a less developed country or whether you're in a you know um a, a first world country, right, you know, as long as the acceptance points are used, you can you can do an instant transaction using your card, right? That that exists now um does that mean you know there, there isn't rationale for why um, countries would use these currencies particularly in in, uh, in areas where there's already significant uh, volatility around maybe the local currencies etc high inflation you know you could understand why people would use that now i'm no um I, i'm no economist uh, and uh, i'm not an expert in monetary policy right so but you know i think one thing that's always thrown out uh, or put out there right is around financial inclusion right and it you know clearly that's something that's important uh across the board do um do i think that um digital currencies or cryptocurrencies automatically allow that to happen i i think that's a big question mark i think there's a lot of other things that would need to be in place for for that to happen particularly around things like digital identities as well, uh, um, as well. so jimmy i think look it's it's there there isn't one um simple answer to that one right um i just think it depends on on the on the uh, jurisdiction um from from that perspective but would you split the two i'm not sure
0: yeah no i mean i think you have a point there i just think in terms of like we say about volatility and ease of on 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 ramping but if you're in a country where your local currency is volatile and it's difficult to unramp anywhere there's there aren't choices i think it's like how in the developed world they went from they skipped the landlines they went straight to mobile so i think we will see. In the emerging world, these issues will not be the same because they're facing them anyway with their o- o- own currency. So, yeah, no, but interesting to watch the space. Sorry, Mark, back to you.
1: Thank you very much, Ian. Excellent, excellent back and forth. I really enjoyed that. Um, we're moving at great pace. Guys in the audience, um, please get your questions in for, for these guys. We've got some great speakers here. We'd love to hear your thoughts, your opinions. This is a great topic to get involved in. Okay, so next question. How will CBDCs change the landscape and will every country soon have their own digital currency? Chris, I think you're as good as anyone to kick off on this one, please, if you could answer that. Yeah, um, thanks, Mark. I I think CBDCs have
5: potential, um, but um, still early days uh, from our viewpoint, uh, Patrick touched on, on something there, solving identity, Many other things to be discussed and solved, and obviously central banks are working on all these things. you know what is the tech for example, that these things will run on? will it be tokenized? will it be account based and then you know how will c b d c s interact and impact the current banking system so you know a lot of questions still to to be answered, and I think also what's interesting or another theme that's emerging, and it might be a bit of a radical thing, but Uh, Will there be nations that now look to some of the newer projects and newer protocols and networks that are emerging such as Cardano and others to potentially build their own new monetary system? So to Gillian's point about developing countries and nations that might not have stable currencies, will they look to the technology to see if if we assume that Bitcoin has pointed the way that a new monetary system can be built using technology, will some of the newer protocols that go beyond Bitcoin provide an answer for those nations and that's quite an emerging trend that, that, that we find interesting.
1: Thank you very much Chris. Um, it's great, great to reference back to what Gillian said as well there. Um, and you named it Patrick again. I don't know what you've done to deserve this, Patrick, but we'll come back to you as well on that question if we can. How will CBDCs change the landscape? What's your opinion on that?
4: Yeah, t- thanks again. Uh, clearly, uh, you know, I'm adding value in this uh, in this panel, so uh, that's great. I'm glad, I'm glad, I'm glad I, I'm, uh, Mark, I'm glad I shaved beforehand, uh, you know, given the camera's going to be on me for so long. Um, yeah, look, CBDC topic is a very interesting one, right? And it's, you know, it's completely interlinked with the, with the broader topic. Um, uh, you know, I think... Uh, look, going from the, the the last part of the question to the the first, I think will I, will we see every country adopt one? I I you know I think that's a very big uh, qu- there's a big question mark over that, and I think ultimately it's going to be about the the drivers for each particular country and what they want to achieve, and plus I mean you know there, there's also the question look. Uh, it, well, whether it's a it's a wholesale um cbdc that they want to uh that a country is interested in uh, and the 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 benefits that could give to the i suppose to the to the um to the wholesale financial incos- ecosystem or what is the retail c- cbdc now i think there's going to be very as i said very different drivers in in uh, in, in countries and again back to kind of Gillian's point and and uh, chris touched on that you know you know if you're a, if you're a country with a less developed payment system clearly i think there's a there's a rationale to uh, to think through well if i want to modernize my payment system you know does the cbdc actually uh, uh, enable that to happen can you uh, can i effectively kill two birds of one stone if i look at the more um you know robust um payment systems in countries like you know europe uk us etc and maybe us isn't a great example actually but uh um, you know the, the, big qu- the big question mark is is why, right? What more value would a CBDC give over what's there already? And also because you've got much bigger questions to think about in, in terms of launching a CBDC, right? Not least obviously the monetary policy considerations of of, of implementing something like that, and also you know if um, if it's a if it's a I suppose a country with a significant payments infrastructure already launching another leg if you will is is going to call is going to be well you've got questions around how you create interoperability between that and the existing ecosystem you've got questions about user interface you know um so there's a lot of questions around that but i think ultimately it's for central banks that go okay what are my objectives what am i trying to get to whether you know whether i feel i need to have uh, you know Ie Sweden where you know cash is 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 dropping down significant use of cash is dropping down significantly, whether it's Bahamas that just launched a sand dollar and you know they um, they wanted the, the cost of actually physically managing cash there was uh, was significantly high. You've got China with its own drivers etc. Um, and then I suppose you've got the EU very much looking at this at this stage. So so I think there's going to be very different drivers. I think you know will will every country have one? It's a very big question mark to me I, w- I would i would doubt that i think you're going to have um, countries deciding on, on, on their own merits
1: thank you very much patrick and um i must just say you wear that beard very well so uh eva i i noticed you wanted to add something as well there i, I saw um if you come to you on that
2: yeah so i mean i agree with um what patrick was saying and, and particularly around the, the different countries having different drivers in terms of whether they will uh, develop a CBDC and I think it's going to be interesting to look at how the central banks balance being competitive in the short term in in developing a CBDC so they don't get left behind but then also being careful in considering the long-term implications to, to the economy and to monetary policy and how they balance those two issues. About and, and how that plays out across Asia and, and, and Europe and the US take different Whether they're concerned about, you know, first movers' advantage. I think what we're looking at across, you know, the, the different central banks and across the different countries is, is going to be somewhat of a kind of a new digital arms race and how they decide to deploy any CBDCs and, and take this uh, this new area forward.
1: Thank, Thank you very us much us for that Eva. And, and let's, let's bring Gillian, Gillian back in now. Um, Gillian, Gillian. you got any um, comments to make on that, please?
0: Just, yeah, just a little quick comment I wanted to make. Um, one is, and actually this is from the uh, emer- the, the developed world as opposed to the emerging. I know that i have gone on to the other way, but um, I would like to say that CBDC is not a cryptocurrency. So that's very important in people's minds to realize it's not um, because, you know, a cryptocurrency has very different different base. Uh, principles. Now, CBDC can uh, benefit from the technology that underpins cryptocurrencies in terms of reducing cost and speed. That's very important and that's very powerful. And I think it's great. It's a lovely idea. But it's not the same as a cryptocurrency, primarily because of control and it's centralized. So I think we need to distinguish between the two. It's another tool for a a central bank to use, but it's not a cryptocurrency.
1: Thank you very much for that, Gillian. A great comment to add to that for our, for our audience at home. Don't Guys at home, if you, um, if you want, to want, to want to add your comments, um, have a question, question, add your opinions, pop them in the chat. chat. We'll bring them into, into play throughout the discussion. Okay, let's move on. We're covering some great ground. How does cryptocurrency regulation need to develop to control this rapidly growing sector? Jan, let's start with you on that one, please.
3: Sure. Sure. Um, I, mean, I think that the bottom line is um, we need um, you know the regulator needs to find the right balance between protecting c- citizens and enabling innovation right um, so and what we what we're really kind of looking for is I guess a clear regulatory framework um, that creates opportunity to bring crypto to the general public in a kind of a, in a safe and regulated way um, which will but in a way which will also enable the, the enable the technology to entrench itself as, as sort of a, a transformative part of the future, which, which it is, I you know, in my opinion, go, going to be right. Um, I think the, I think, you know, the technology behind the, behind the cryptocurrencies, you know, the various DLTs, um, I think there's, a, there's a lot of um, opportunity for, for re, to re, really change business processes um, and, uh, and, and, and uh, make things work better, um, even around, you know, regulatory compliance and, and things like that, which, which may come as a surprise, um, but um But the bottom line is you know we need to get regulators comfortable with with the technology and comfortable with uh with, with where we're headed um and hopefully out of that we'll spring a um, a set of regulation which uh which will at the, on the one hand allow innovation on the other hand also protect protect um protect the the users um finally you know i mean the other thing is obviously blockchain and, and the crypto um technologies are essentially by definition global right um it's a technology that is that's you know based on based on the internet and kind of open open access for, for everyone in the world, um, and uh, so one thing that we you know we will need in longer run I guess is some kind of um, some kind of regulation that gets goes beyond the patchwork regulation that we that we have at the moment.
1: Thank you very much um, for that, Jan. Um, Eva, if we bring you back in now, um, your thoughts on regulation, please.
2: I mean, I definitely agree with all of those those points. We need increased certainty and, and unified regulation across Europe. So I think people are going to be looking to see what happens with with Mika um, and how that plays out across Europe. Will it allow for passporting across member states um, to reduce the burden of having to apply for different licenses and reg- registrations in every country that a company is looking to operate uh, in, in, the, in the crypto sphere? And I think um, they're also going to be paying attention to, to how this impacts innovation. A lot of the proposed rules um, are more skewed towards large entities that have the money or the infrastructure to support implementation. Um, and I think uh, we need to be careful in, in regulation, um, both here and in the U.S., that we don't stifle innovation because we make it too difficult small. To burden companies to actually build anything um, because they can't afford to keep up with the regulations or they don't have the expertise uh, or knowledge in-house to keep up with um, the, the uh, regulations. And I think that there's a risk that, you know, if, if we're too burdensome with these regulations that we push the smaller uh, startups and, and, and uh, developing uh, companies out of the market.
1: Thank you very much, Eva. I, th- I think it's fair to say that um, one of the points that usually comes up in, in these kind of discussions is around uh, the balance between innovation and regulation. Um, so, so that's really interesting that you've, you, you both kind of highlighted that again. Chris, if we come to you with that question, how does cryptocurrency regulation need to develop to control this rapidly growing sector?
5: Uh, I think the yeah, summed it up really well and Eva made some good points there too. Um, really is about that, enabling innovation and also you know bringing the protections that consumers need. Um, there were some um, encouraging words that came out of the US uh, this week. I don't know if people caught that. Hester Pierce, the uh, SEC Commissioner, uh, did a speech on atomic trading on Monday, um, and she talked about the fact that the environment does pose, pose some regulatory challenges, but also gives us new tools to, to meet those challenges and she advocated that we should use those tools with genuine care in her words genuine care for the freedom of the people we regulate and i read those words and i thought wow i've not seen that kind of language from a regulator and and that's really encouraging and that's kind of the the approach and the attitude that that we we would encourage regulators to take
1: thanks so much for that chris uh, i did, I, did, I i actually caught that piece of news so that's, that's really interesting Patrick if we come to you um, any any thoughts on this one yeah look, I largely agree with the guys I mean the more
4: regulation sorry maybe i'm wrong choice of words there right but the regulation of of the space is important right um for everybody involved for new entrants for um the likes of MasterCard, right who are, are already uh, uh, you know big in in payment space right and but also really important for uh, for the end users for consumers right because ultimately you know if they're isn't the right regulation in there, and, and something goes wrong, right? That's going to have a significant impact to the industry overall, right? Which you know could could um, uh, have a detrimental impact to to where it goes. Now, you know, we're not advocating from our position one way or the other. We just think it, you know you've got to have the right regulations in place for for all activity in the space. I look, I, I completely agree with with Eva's point though as well, right? You you've got to have you know, a, a little bit of nuance in terms of new entrants coming in and, and trying to do something innovative in, this, innovative in this space and being allowed to do so. That so that is, that is um, that is that is important as well. Um, but I think the more certainty overall that we have in this space is uh, is is only a good thing. And I think Jan, you mentioned that that look, you know, um, um, you know the the, the, the I suppose a patchwork of regulation is is not good for 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 anybody. Um, uh, but you, you know, getting a, getting a consistent global standard is, is is unlikely to happen as well. I mean, even if you look at at, at the uh, at you know, cross border payments and correspondent banking in general, which you know I, I was involved in for a very long time, um, you know the uh, that's still uh, something that's gonna uh, take some time, and the BIS is spending a lot of time with the CPMI trying to, to drive that as well. So, but you know, overall, I think regulation makes sense in the right way for for the to uh, you know to allow the space to evolve.
1: Great, great. Thank, thank you very much uh, all of you, yeah, that's, that's that's great, um, I think we covered that question brilliantly. Um, let's move on, we're covering some great ground. Guys, get your questions in for our speakers, if you have any, any thoughts or opinions you want to share, pop them on there and Gillian will bring them into play. Right, next question, how has COVID-19 helped the case for cryptocurrencies? Chris, we come to you on that one?
5: Yeah, sure, Mark, I, I think there's, uh, you know, Two things. Uh, firstly, we've seen unprecedented levels of money printing. Um, and that has brought about a realization that the fiat money in our hands is, is now soft money. And, and I mentioned the Bitcoin Standard book, it, it goes into this in some detail uh, the difference between soft and hard money. Um, and particularly now, we're seeing if you're a corporation, you view the cash on your balance sheet as a depreciating asset. And we know that, uh, corporations like MicroStrategy and Square, Tesla are now moving, uh, that cash into Bitcoin, which they see as, uh, you know, as an asset, uh, to hedge against inflation, um, and gold and other assets, uh, that people are choosing. Um, and, and, you know, we're also seeing it's not just those big corporations. It's, you know, small and medium companies signing up with us uh purchasing bitcoin and just placing that on their balance sheet so you know covid's really obviously driven that to some extent and i think the second thing with covid is that it's shown all of us that we can operate and survive in a digital world when our physical world has been removed from us um digital has come more to the forefront uh, and whether it's cryptocurrency digital payments uh we uh, we have come to rely on that and it's taken a greater prominence so huge impact on uh, on our society
1: thank you very much chris um patrick would you like to to add to what you just heard from chris as well i
4: i, I feel i feel i'm starting to feel like to star a show here uh uh mark at this stage but yeah yeah look um um uh, yeah yeah happy to to jump in look i i don't know i has it has it had an impact? That you look clearly in terms of the use of cash, right? Physical cash. It's had uh, it's had a, an impact in terms of driving driving that down a little bit. Now, I, do I think it's a good thing that you know cash disappears? No, I, I don't. Um, uh, I, I think you know cash uh, has has its place and, and should continue to have its place. You know, do um, do I necessarily agree with Chris in terms of the you know the the you know the um, the printing of money and the inflation point? Uh, again uh, from a, a non economist uh, perspective I, I i question that to be honest with you uh, i think there's very divergent views on, on on that um and what that means um but so i i don't i don't know if it has to be honest with you i just think there's a broader you know movement um around the space in general uh, i think you know the COVID has, you know, accentuated some of that uh, to uh, to an extent, but um, I, I think that would maybe have happened, uh, or the, the, the genie was out of this bottle in, uh, a long time ago anyway, regardless of whether it was COVID or, or, or not. Um, so I think, you know, the space was going to evolve. I, I just don't know if, if, uh, if COVID has really had that massive an impact in terms of uh, the overall thinking.
1: Thank you very much, sir, Patrick. Uh, Patrick. Um, Gillian, I believe we've got, got, got a, a questions, questions in the, the chat, chat to, to, to bring, bring into play, play now.
0: Yeah, I do, actually. It's in response to what I think Chris is saying. There's a couple of questions here talking about Elon Musk, you know, moving into the space. High high profile people like Elon obviously making an impact and affecting the price of Bitcoin. Um, but I want to address this question to Jan because you're at the coalface face there and Coinbase. Question for you is, um, and Bill Gates made this point rather strongly recently, he said, you're not all Elon Musk. So what would your advice be? I mean, do you think Elon Musk in COVID sent us all to move into Bitcoin? Is that gonna really work? Or do you think you should listen to Bill Gates and say, hey, hang on guys, we're not, we don't have 1.5 billion to stick into Bitcoin.
3: Well, and obviously I, I can't give any investment advice, <laughs> um, but I mean, I think, you know, for, it's for everyone to do their own research on on, on the cryptocurrencies they're interested in if they wanna get involved, um, you know, I think that I think there's many, many useful, interesting aspects to many uh, to many of the different cryptocurrencies out there. Um, but it's very, you know, crucially important to do your own research to understand understand the, the understand the crypto you're talking about, understand the utility if there is um, and really understand, you know, what you're buying and why you're buying
1: it. Thank you very much for that. Uh, for, for that Jan. I've actually got it on very good authority that Someone called Elon signs in and watches these back on demand. It's a little bit early for him to tune in this morning, but I've had that on very good authority. Right, we're making really good time. Get your questions in, guys, for the guys. We're three quarters of the way through now. So next question. Where next for crypto and digital currencies? How will things change in the next five years? Uh, Eva, if we come to you for that one, please.
2: Yeah, so over the next five years, I think I'm interested mostly mostly to see how uh, crypto and digital currencies uh, expand in terms of corporates. So we've seen um, companies investing in Bitcoin. We've seen them uh, trading, uh, accepting it as collateral, uh, lending it. Um, putting it on their balance sheet. How will this develop and how will more corporations become involved in the, the crypto space over the next five years? Um, as, as Chris mentioned earlier, Arcane and Bitstamp are putting out a report today that, look at, that looks at Bitcoin as collateral. Uh, And in particular, one area that we focus on is the lending market, which is obviously booming. Uh, And I think that that's going to continue uh, to boom over the the next five years. Uh, We've predicted that it's not unlikely that you'll see over a million Bitcoin users collateral in the lending market alone within the next few years. Um, So expecting to see the general acceptance of Bitcoin as collateral accelerate. um, and more com- companies becoming involved in, in, in using Bitcoin, um, putting it on their balance sheet, investing in it. So, you know, we've obviously had the, the, the key names uh, in the recent months, but I think m- more smaller, mid-sized companies are looking at Bitcoin and, and crypto. And I expect that to continue over the next few years.
1: Thank you very much for that, uh, Eva. Chris, your thoughts, the next five years? Yeah, I mean, obviously, five
5: years is a long time scale uh, to predict, but I mean, as, he, as Eva says, there's interesting developments uh, in the DeFi space. Uh, so I think for for us, DeFi uh, offers a lot of potential. There's some interesting things happening there. Uh, the ability to be able to uh, earn a return on my on my crypto, to lend my crypto, um, you know, a, 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 an example of, or if I can give an illustration, you know, customers come on to Bitstamp, or Coinbase or any of the exchanges. You know, you can purchase Bitcoin, other crypto assets, and now you can either stake or lend those assets. You can move them to companies like BlockFi or Crypto.com. You can earn an interest of 6%. Um, And these models are are, are really interesting and have the potential to grow. Um, Nascent for now, uh, but we're seeing a lot of interest in in the newer coins. We're seeing a lot of interest in in these companies like BlockFi, et cetera. um this this could be a really interesting development and in how uh, potentially we've got the emergence of a of a parallel new financial system to the to the existing centralized financial system
1: thanks very much for that uh, for that chris and patrick should we come to you on this one as well and in, in for the what what do you think we'll see change in the next 5 years
4: yeah um look i i'm going to stick to it from a payments um uh, perspective um given what we do um you know i think you know bitcoin and, and other currencies in, in that um, genre uh you know they're more of in their investment assets at the moment right and as the guys have kind of mentioned um now i'm sure that space will continue to evolve do i see those type of currencies um you know coming uh, becoming more um getting more utility from a payments perspective i think that's that's a, a big question mark and remains to be seen for all the the reasons that we've we've talked about uh, overall. Um, I think from a payments perspective, and this is kind of touches on actually, um, Jolene, what you brought up earlier, on around the, the definitions. Which actually, overall, uh, I think definitions are are very important uh, in this space, both um, in terms of how we use them in an everyday language, but also from a, a regulatory um, and, and compliance sense as well. But um, you know, I I do think look it, central bank digital currencies, which is I would agree not a clearly not a cryptocurrency, right? It's a it's a state backed uh, coin. I think we'll see that landscape evolve. I do think you'll see more um, countries playing around in that space and probably launching um, uh, versions of central bank digital currency. Europe seems to be making a lot of um, significant noises in that direction as well. But I think it. it you know, it, it does remain to 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 be seen how that evolves and whether um you know whether we see the more developed countries uh, launching them and, and for in in what context for what objectives they're looking to cheat to achieve right whether it is something more limited like in you know Sweden where it's it's a backup just because cash is disappearing for, as an example so I think that that space will be interesting to uh, to uh, assess and evolve uh, as it evolves I think you know f- um, from um, you know the the other I suppose side of um, cryptocurrency, digital currencies is you know the the asset backed ones, um, and uh, I suppose the the stablecoin version of, of currencies, um, and whether they will uh, get more utility and more use. I think um, uh, as the regulatory in from again from a payments perspective, um, for as the regulatory environment uh, evolves and becomes more clear, I think there's a there's a, a possibility that they could. Gain more utility overall uh, in this space, and again, you know, move beyond the uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the people that are probably on this call and and also in this room where you know we know this space. You know, uh, getting out into the wider public, I think that's that's uh, that may they may uh, over time. So that's how I would see uh, see it evolving over the next five years. It's obviously hard to to see overall, but uh, but that's uh, that's uh, I think what we would see.
1: Thank you very much for that, Patrick. We're going to get you all back on in five years' time, by the way. We're putting it in the diary now. Chris, I know you've got a comment to, to come back to on, on what, what you just said from Patrick, perhaps.
5: Yeah, just a just a thought, really, Mark, on the payments uh, uh, conversation and, and, and linking into what Eva said about corporations. And I sort of question this as I, I see all these corporations signing up with us and buying Bitcoin and putting it on their balance sheet. If, you know, what happens if all these corporations then start, deciding to pay each other in bitcoin you know they they're holding bitcoin on their balance sheet there's nothing actually stopping them moving bitcoin between themselves right and you know what if that started happening with the likes of tesla microstrategy etc or, or even the smaller medium companies we then have a situation where you've got direct disintermediation of swift because you know companies can pay themselves across the internet using using bitcoin uh and the the vision of satoshi for this p2p payment system comes true it's not not everyday consumers but it's companies and so that will be really interesting to you know uh, back when someone paid for their first pizza with bitcoin will we have two companies paying each uh paying invoices with bitcoin that's a really interesting question
1: it's a, it's a fascinating place to be looking five years down the line certainly and, and gillian i'd like to bring you in now i think you've got a question that you want to bring in
0: Yeah, I do, actually. And I want to address it to Eva because um, Arcane bridges traditional finance and cryptocurrencies, right? And you're also a trader background. So I want to ask you a question for you is with regards for the five-year, you know, down the track, what's going to happen? My question is who is more important or what is more important of the following three? Is it government and regulation? Is it big big corporates? Or is it people and movements like DeFi? So where would you put your money on being the most influential uh, uh uh force in the next five years yeah i mean that's a really good question and i think they're all
2: important factors i think first has to come regulation because any regulation that comes into force will impact what both um corporations and and even um you know individual traders who are looking at DeFi are able to do so the the regulation point will have a knock-on effect to the other two factors Uh, and impact the strategies that say corporations put in place to look at how to get into crypto. So I think having a robust framework in terms of regulation is key for for development uh, of the space and and is key for adoption amongst the space. Um, So I would put that at the top, but I think that understanding um, of of corporations of, of how to get involved in crypto is definitely a close second. Um, But, like I said, I think that they will be very much impacted. And the constraints that their individual corporations have put on, under in terms of investing, in terms of holding on their balance sheet and how they can deal in in, in crypto and digital assets.
1: Thanks very much for that. Um, Thanks so much for that, Gillian. Great question. And you've obviously done your research, so that's great. And and great answer as well, Eva. I, I love this theme of uh, of looking through our crystal balls and that sort of thing. It's very hard for me to look anywhere else other than the next two weeks in the UK when the kids go back to school. But let's continue with that theme for now. What is the biggest challenge the industry is facing? Uh, Patrick, if we come to you for that one.
4: Um... Look, I, I think we, we kind of touched on it already. I think, you know, there is a need to have more clarity around regulation. Um so you know that that creates the right environment and ecosystem for for both innovation to happen. Uh, and for um i suppose protections to be uh, applied to uh, to consumers now uh, I, again uh, I, I i look by default of of, of, of who we are in mastercard right we're we're still very much as i mentioned before looking at this from a from a payments activity perspective you know um we're not looking at it from an investment point of view or we're not looking at it from you know um holding holding um you know the likes of bitcoin on our balance sheet or anything like that right so it's very much from a, a payments perspective so i think there is clear need for um for appropriate regulation to uh to allow us to kind of you know the, the industry to to move forward in in this space space and see how it vaults
1: thank you very much for that patrick and and eva if we come back to you as well on that one um you know what is the biggest challenge in the industry is facing do you think
2: yeah I mean not to, to bang on the regulation drum again but I think that that's definitely up there um and I think a, another area that that links into that is is taxation um both of corporations and and of individuals I think um that's another area where where people are concerned um, you know about how this might play out whether it's uh, individual kind of uh, tax bill that you're going to get through through the door at, at a, a later point in time in the future um, or whether it's you know corporations being concerned about well how do how do we make um, payments in crypto where we don't know how it's going to be treated from a tax perspective or where we don't have enough certainty around how it's going to be treated so I think that that is another area um, that will that will pose a challenge if we don't find some clarity uh, in the near term anyway
1: Thank you very much for that eva and and Yana, I noticed that i think you've got something to add as well as well to your um, fellow panelists' visions on this
3: um yeah you know I completely agree i think the the, the regulatory frameworks are the, the the beginning of the or like kind of the top of the the hill, i guess if you like where from which a lot of um, a lot of change will come in and which will impact a lot of how, how things develop going forward. But I think um, the, the, the sort of state of, u- of the user experience around crypto um, is something that um, is something that is probably one of the biggest challenges, in my opinion, in terms of bringing it to the mainstream. Um, I think especially with the newer the newer use cases around DeFi and so on, which are really, you know, I think truly exciting um, developments. Um, the difficulty for, for a regular mainstream user to get involved with some of these things, I think, um, are, are a real challenge holding the, holding the industry back um, as far as sort of retail mainstream adoption goes. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to those, um, to the, you know, the UX and UI uh, around, these, around these use cases improving.
1: Absolutely. I think we're all looking forward to seeing how these things um, progress. Um, yeah, and certainly i will echo that. Um, Gillian, if we, if we come to you, I think you've got some comments to make on this as well.
0: Yeah, just one, actually. Um, it's a, how we frame the question. You were saying, what are the challenges for the industry? Very good question. But I'd like to say, what are the opportunities for the industry, in particular for uh, income equality? That's what, it, what excites me, the opportunities that exist in the industry.
1: Excellent. And you've just teed me up absolutely perfectly for the next question. What excites you most? What excites you most about 2021 and beyond? And, 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 and let's, let's go, go to, to, let's, let's throw that to Eva, go, shall, shall we? Uh, <laughs> 2021 on and beyond Eva, what excites you most?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, well, apart from, uh, a vaccine, uh, being able to, to drink in a, in a pub and, uh, yeah, COVID, uh, being less of a, a hot topic. Yeah. That's definitely what excites me about 2021. But I think looking at the, the, um, the cryptosphere and, and, and what excites me about the industry, I think it's just the possibility for, for expansion. Um, you know, we, we've really seen the, 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 the gradually then suddenly approach with the market, but now I, I feel like you know you're you're seeing a new news story um, about institutional adoption every day you're seeing um, increased focus uh, on the industry and I think the possibility for ex- expansion Um, across uh, across every vertical, whether it's payments, um, whether it's uh, access to to cryptocurrencies, democratization of of finance, uh, investment. I think all of these spheres are uh, teed up for expansion. Um, And I think that's the really exciting part about about 2021. Thank you
1: very much for that, Eva. Uh, And Chris, I can see you're excited. What's what what's what, what is there to be excited about for 2021 and beyond?
5: Oh, I think there's a lot, Marco, echo Eva's points uh, there. But also, I mean, we've seen an incredible start to the year in crypto. Uh, I'm sure Jan will echo that as well. You know, you can see the volumes of the exchanges you know, in, in public information. Um, it, it, you know, what's going to be exciting to see where that takes us, you know, and, you know, how we grow as an industry. Some of the newer projects in the DeFi space, you know, coming to fruition. Um, yeah, just a ton of things to look forward to, I think, this year, Mark.
1: And, and, and Gillian, as you, as you teed me up so well for that question, I'll give you the absolute final word on this. Let's come to you.
0: Well, I want to give you a compliment, you and your team a compliment, because for those of you who follow NLP, you know that when you read a sentence, only certain words jump out. So if you want to say, you know, you, you want to say, I, I want to work harder. It doesn't, it doesn't hear the, the, the different uh, adjectives, or whatever. Anyway, the title of the piece here, are cryptocurrencies finally going mainstream? People will remember cryptocurrencies, cr- cryptocurrencies and mainstream. She got it and one. Well done.
1: Thank you very much. That's, that's a great way to end. Um, I'd like to say thank you so much to our panellists, to Eva, to Patrick, to Jan and to Chris. Thank you so much for your contribution. Thank you so much to Gillian in our moderator seat. Thank you so much. Thank you very much to our partners, Bitstamp, for enabling us to put these discussions together. Um, we're back now at 2pm GMT for blockchain and digital identity the decentralized identity revolution we We hope you can join us for that to continue the discussion join our slack group which is working now and and you can join that and carry on the discussion by text Um, on a personal note if you've got any feedback connect with me on linkedin or pop it in that slack group and we'd love to hear your thoughts thank you so much have a great day stay safe and we'll see you at 2 p.m thank you you've been tuned into the money
0: next podcast series if you'd like to listen to more from our Blockchain Summit or any of our other live events, please visit our MoneyNext TV platform, where you can sign up for our live events and listen in to more insights and on demand content. Thanks so much.